This is the morning brief from the Economic Times. On 24th, we woke up with the sound of bombarding. My flat is just near to the airport in Ivano-Frankivsk and Kyiv and Ivano-Frankivsk airports were the first ones to be bombarded and we were like really really tensed but our teachers told us that uh, it is just a military operation and nothing will happen after this so we were little relaxed but for two days we didn't cross the border so at that time i don't think there was anything in my mind apart from saving me and my friends who were in the flat because we were like literally trying uh, our best to survive nothing was going on in our minds apart from that and right now when i have come back to india my major concern is my education will it be resumed or what will happen next that was kumari jyoti surendra a 21 year old third year medical student who was studying in ukraine recounting the horror that she faced with her flatmates as war raged between Ukraine and Russia. Now, a lot is being said about the fallout of the actual invasion, and we've also covered various aspects of the global financial upheaval it's causing, right here on The Morning Brief. But today's episode is a little different. We're looking at what led to students like Jyoti being stuck in a far-flung, politically unstable country like Ukraine to begin with, and what that reveals about the state of medical education here in India. To provide this perspective, we speak to students who have just returned home safe from Ukraine, as well as Dr. Alexander Thomas, the National President of the Association of Healthcare Providers India, or AHPI, and the Founding President of the Association of National Board Accredited Institutions, or ANBAI. We will also ask Dr. Thomas about what could be the fate of these students who have now been displaced from Ukraine and the systemic reasons causing this mass exodus of Indian youth to countries like Ukraine, China and many others. So make sure to stay tuned. Today is Friday, the 11th of March. I'm your host, Dia Reiki, and you're listening to MBBS Degrees, Victims of War on the Morning Brief. Let's get down to brass tacks. How does one get a medical seat in India? Earlier students appeared in the All India Pre-Medical Test or AIPMT for admission to medical and dental programs. But in 2017, the AIPMT was completely replaced by the National Eligibility Come Entrance Test or NEET for admission to medical and dental programs. Now, it comes as no surprise that the NEET exam is one of the most competitive exams in the world. In 2021, according to the National Testing Agency, 16,14,777 people had registered to appear for the NEET exam. Of these 1.6 million students, only around half of them, that is 8,70,075 students, cleared the medical entrance examination. But the number of MBBS seats that India has is just a little over 10% of this number. That means almost 90% of the students who clear NEET 
will not get into a medical college in India. Also, as per estimates, for every five medical seats in India, there are a hundred people competing. Not surprisingly, this forces hordes of students to enroll in non-medical courses in India or seek admission to foreign medical colleges. According to reports, around 20,000 to 25,000 medical students go abroad every year. And there's also the fact that these seats are not even evenly distributed. As of August 2021, a major chunk of medical seats were in Karnataka and Maharashtra. 9,345 in Karnataka and 9,000 in Maharashtra. Tamil Nadu, on the other hand, had 8,000 medical seats. Nagaland had no medical seats or colleges, while Arunachal Pradesh, Meghalaya and Sikkim had only 50 medical seats each. So not only are the medical seats in short supply, they're also concentrated heavily in a few states. And then comes the biggest entry barrier, the fees. But more on that later. Overseas education was not our uh, one of the choice. It was our only choice at that time. Because as we all know, the uh, number of aspirants which are attempting NEET UG examinations, there are 16 lakh participants every year, 16, 17, and the number is increasing still. And uh, the seats, as you all know, is just uh, 20,000 to 25,000 seats which are in India. The rest all seats are uh, semi-government and private. Uh, but the fees in the private and semi-government is not affordable for every middle-class student. It goes in crores. That's why we have to look for other options. That was Onkar Jilla, another third-year medical student who is pursuing his MBBS in Ukraine. Like many others, there was little choice for him in terms of where he could go to make his dream of being a doctor a reality. We were determined that we have, we want to get in uh, the medical field only and we want to do MBBS only. I uh, got to know about the overseas education that there are a few countries whose fees is uh, subsidized and it's affordable. For example, my university, the per year fees is $4,000, which is around 3 lakh rupees. And for six years, a course in Ukraine, actually, you just have to pay 18 lakhs for the entire course, just tuition fee and the normal living expense which we will be spending in India when we were choosing the overseas education option. The first challenge was to select the country, which country is better. So we had Philippines in list, we had China, we had Georgia, right? But there were many disadvantages in their uh, courses. For example, if we talk, uh, talk about Philippines, we have to do uh, BSc in Philippines for two years. And then we have to go for MBBS degree. So that's why I didn't found that option very good. Then about China. In China also, there is a six years uh, course. But this initial two years are just wasted in their Chinese culture, Chinese language. These are the subjects in the first two years. And the actual preclinical subjects like anatomy, histology, it all starts from third year. Whereas in uh, Ukraine, Georgia, it just starts from a first year itself. So obviously, uh, China was ruled out for me. So that's why I opted for Ukraine. Here the education is just for six years and in India also it is just five and a half years. It is very similar. So we chose a National Medical University uh, and in National Medical Universities also you have to see which college is fitting your budget. And for Omkar and Jyoti, 
the Ivano Frankivsk National Medical University was the best option. As per the university's website, it is one of the oldest and leading medical universities in Ukraine, located in Ivano city in the northwest of the country. If you're wondering how these youngsters managed to get around in a country so far from Mumbai and with a completely alien tongue, listen in to what Jyoti had to say about life in Ukraine. It was beautiful because the city is like very clean and peaceful. The people there are very friendly and they will help you in every step of life. Like they know that uh, we are students, we are children and we have come here for the first time and we don't know their language and uh, the culture or anything. Basically, we are in a foreign land. So they help you out with everything. The class is basically 14 people. That's it. But if you ask me the course in the course, like in third course, how many Indians are there? There are 500. And we have more Indians in other years. So it is approximately like 700 to 1000, I think. Oh, and here's another crucial bit of information that one of our guests, Ahem Giri, quoted as a reason for why he chose to study in Ukraine. There was a test after three years in Ukraine. That's name is a croc. It's very helpful for our study. It's our, it's of, it's mainly all over the three year. जो जो हमने study करते तीन साल के बीच बीच में, उनका पूरा वो test लेते तीन साल के बीच में. फिर for the uh, six year, they also croc too. So we have help FMG. So that's why I choose Ukraine. And in any country, there are facilities like Croc 1 and Croc 2, which are 3 years and after 6 years. So this is a reason for MBBS Ukraine. Now, Croc is not the footwear brand that you associated with, but rather is spelled K-R-O-K. It is a licensing examination conducted by the Ministry of Health in Ukraine and it is an obligatory part of state certification for being awarded the qualification of doctor or pharmacist. Students need to pass two separate test exams, CROP 1 and CROP 2. Now the first examination, CROP 1, consists of basic biomedical sciences, while the second, CROP 2, consists of basic professionally oriented disciplines. So essentially, what Ahem is saying is that countries like China, Russia, Kyrgyzstan, the Philippines and Kazakhstan, which are all popular choices for Indian students, by the way, they don't offer the crop test and have no equivalent license. And this can be a huge drawback for students who are preparing for the FMGE test or the Foreign Medical Graduates Examination. I got Dr. Alexander Thomas to tell us what FMGE tends to do and what it means in the Indian context. Uh, this is an exam that all, a qualifying test which every Indian who has uh, done uh, undergraduate training outside India has to pass in order to practice in India. And uh, the pass percentage is uh, just 10 to 20 percent. And I think a very big question is what happens to those who go there, who come back and don't pass the exam. So what are the reasons for this you know, poor um, pass rate. We have interacted with the National Board of Examinations who conduct this exam and they have also told us that yes, uh, one is that the quality of education may not be as what uh, is required. In many of these countries, not the uh, medium of instruction uh, is other than English. 
So a person going there will have to learn the language and then do the course in that particular language. The curriculum is also not in tune with the conditions prevalent in India. So the students are not very familiar with that. And as you said, like in malaria, disease profiles vary from country to country. So the priorities towards planning of the programs, etc., are different. In many of these places, um, clinical exposures um, could be very limited. And health statistics, preventive and promotive health priorities could also be different from that of our country. And since this test is based on the health needs, the actual realities in our country, well, that is the other reason. I, th- I think one of the big big reasons is that the quality in many cases is uh, not as uh, expected. And two is the lack of uh, hands-on experience. It's a huge waste of resources. 20,000 students sit for the exam, three or four pa- uh, thousand pass. And the remaining, many of the remaining who are in India have actually abandoned medical studies and have doing uh, quite a significant um, percentage are doing something else. Now that I got a chance to speak to Dr. Thomas, I put him on the hot seat and asked him to give us a snapshot of what the situation is like on the ground for medical education in India. I also got him to tell us why we've seen so many of our students flock to a country like Ukraine. If you look at um, India at present, we have close to 600 medical colleges, uh, actually 595 medical colleges, which offer the MBBS course. And we have about... uh, uh, 90,000 graduates who pass out uh, annually. So the it's the availability is like this. The undergraduate seats is um, close to, to be very specific, it's 88,000 per year. And we have about 42,000 um, postgraduate seats uh, every year. And the postgraduate seats are mainly divided between the National Medical Council courses and the National Board of um, uh, Education. And also, just to give you an idea of what is the, what do you say, the uh, need for this, the for the NEET exam in 2021, there were about um, 16 lakh students who applied. We have people going to UK, USA, Canada, Germany, France, China, Ukraine, Russia, the Philippines, Nepal, Bangladesh, and also uh, Netherlands. What are the reasons for this? I think one is extreme competitiveness. And I think the high cost of medical education in private institutions, and I'll come to why it is so costly a little later. In uh, Ukraine and China, uh, we have just done some um, uh, analysis of this. The cost of medical education is about 25 to 30% of the cost in India. And this includes uh, uh, boarding and lodging. And a small percentage of students, um, especially in the Ukraine, they have easier access to European countries after completing the course there. So they go directly from there to the European um, countries. And uh, China especially, they've made it very easy for admission. But since we are focusing on Ukraine, I think one of the reasons, uh, so there, I think there are about eight to 9,000 medical students in the U- Ukraine, and it is a favored destination for medical students. And one reason is that they have easier access to the European countries after they finish. I think it is um, the present uh, requirements for a medical college. If you go to Caribbean region, there are 35 medical colleges which are working in, which are training doctors for US, which is in a rented 50,000 square foot in a shopping mall, training fantastic doctors for US. Why are you spending 400 crore rupees and creating this edifice? It is ridiculous all over the world Medical colleges do not have this rigid requirement. 
Medical college don't require 140 faculty members to train 100 students. 140 faculty members can run a medical college with 1000 students. So when the whole world has changed, we haven't changed. That was Dr. Devi Prasad Shetty, Chairman and Executive Director of Narayana Health, talking about why setting up private institutions in India is so expensive. It actually costs close to 400 to 500 crores to set up a medical college. And with the requirements of the NMC, the um, library, the hostel, air condition, this and that, and uh, uh, all the other requirements and the faculty, the running costs also are very high. So uh, if you look at medical education today, especially in the private sector, there are uh, not many takers. And in fact, I am given to understand that a lot of medical colleges are for sale because of the limitations that the government has put in. But the reason for this highly expensive medical education is because of the costs inquired, both in terms of capital, both in terms of running costs. And this is a consequence of the regulations by the National Medical of, uh, Council of India. So why aren't we able to provide our students with enough opportunity to pursue their passion in India? Well, someone else had a similar question. Recently, PM Modi addressed the nation and wondered whether our private institutions could take up the task of creating more opportunities for students, especially medical students, in India. I turned to Dr. Thomas to see how feasible this is and if it can be translated into a reality. Since we have been working in this area and trying for medical reforms over the last um, 8 to 10 years, my um, personal opinion, this actually can be done, but we need to get away um, some of these archaic rules which are presently in the country. See, we have so much of um, um, clinical material in the country. We have so many hospitals. But because of the present uh, NMC rules, only medical colleges are allowed to, allowed to create, uh, to train undergraduates. If you look at our country, we have widespread government and private healthcare delivery systems. And we can, my thoughts, uh, my opinion is that we can easily address this concern of our Honorable Prime Minister to make sure uh, that our students do not have to go to other countries for um, medical education. If you look today at uh, the private sector, it's there in all the major cities. And one of the factors which is now preventing the private sector going into setting up medical colleges is one, the initial capital. And two, that uh, you know, with the present limitations, the, prevent, the present rules and regulations, to run a medical college is extremely uh, difficult uh, and not financially viable. So I think the government needs to come in. They should incentivize by offering free land, interest-free loans, tax waivers, but ensure that the fees are kept low. Um, and the, the, I, I think it is not very difficult to set up medical colleges in Tier 2 and Tier 3 cities. One suggestion that we made to the government was all hospitals with more than 200 beds with the required number of specialties could be upgraded into institutions offering undergraduate medical education. 
and this will open up a huge number of seats in our country and uh, uh, consequent to this we can give preference to the local students one factor which is actually preventing expansion of medical colleges and teaching is that uh, today the medical council has very very uh, rigid rules on uh, the definition of a teacher they have to be full time and they have to have certain qualifications which is understandable but like in the us in the uk and earlier in our country i think it's imperative that this obstacle can be easily surmounted by allowing private uh, practitioners who have experience in teaching who come back from abroad to also function as teachers so we will not be um, compromising on the quality of care and we must remember quality is very important and i think the nmc plays uh, focuses on that but we also must remember that in another 2 years there will be a common exit exam for all mbbs so it will be standardized and i think few uh, it's it's not difficult we have the potential to quickly increase the number of seats um, in a, in in, a way, in a large numbers without compromising on quality that is on in the future what happens now what will these students do onkar tells us what he is hoping for the universities after the war should run normally or at least they should run because we have still 3 years to go and the students in 6th uh, year they have to just pass their degree they are just 3 uh, months away from their examinations so it's not a good idea to be stuck in such situation for a long time so we are also expecting that our indian government allow us to take admissions in um, the normal private colleges or uh, semi government colleges in subsidized fees the fees which we have in ukraine if that's possible then it's uh, very good it's a blessing for us but if it's not then we will be completely depending on our ukraine only that uh, it gets uh, well after the war and it just runs or operates normally the, at least the colleges and uh, if it's not possible after the war then the second option is that at least the government should arrange something for us in the neighboring countries of ukraine like poland romania or other countries where we can complete our education continue our education because after coming so far like we have crossed almost 3 years we can't quit this in between i asked dr thomas if he thought there was a possibility that the government would consider these pleas from students who've come back from ukraine and here's what he had to say it's actually a very complicated issue because many people have come back from other countries because of the pandemic and these students have not appeared for the competitive common entrance which other students in india have appeared to gain admissions and they there's a question of precedent but i think uh, looking at the situation one option would, would be to distribute these students only as a one time measure a one time measure with a provision for no precedence Uh, into the various colleges uh, across the country or institutions across the country which nmc allows allow them to continue medical education in india because uh, for each of them it is the uh, it is their career it is their future and we can use them productively in our country but this is something that the ministry of health has to decide but yes i think uh, looking at the situation this needs to be considered but it isn't just the government that these students need to fight now Parents of these youngsters are frightened and refuse to let their children go back to Ukraine. You can almost feel the hesitance as Jyoti gives us a sense of the atmosphere at home. My parents are really 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 concerned about if they should send me back to Ukraine. They don't want to face 
the same situation again because for a lot of times they were not able to talk to me because I was in the bunker and there was no internet and every day was like new news of uh, something big that is happening there and they couldn't connect to me. Everyone, they are suggesting me not to go back to Ukraine but if everything is settled, I think I'll go back to Ukraine because it is a very beautiful place and the education there is really awesome compared to that in India if we compare the private colleges because I don't think I can pay the fees uh, for Indian private colleges. For Ahim, the question of going back to Ukraine just doesn't arise. He said the eight days that he was stuck in Ukraine were harrowing, not just for him, but his parents sitting in Ludhiana as well. With no option of returning to Ukraine, I asked him what was going on in his mind at this point. The situation is like that I don't understand what to do now. Like, my degree is not complete, I'm going to be third year. I'm in the sixth semester. After that, I had to give a crock. Now, I'm ready for my crock. I'm focusing on my study. And I don't know if I can go back to Ukraine or not. कुछ भी समझ नहीं आ रहे इंडियन गवर्नमेंट कभी बोलती कि हम हेल्प करेंगे कभी बोलती नहीं हम फॉरेन स्टूडेंट को ऐसे डायरेक्ट एडमिशन नहीं देंगे तो चीज़ें भी काफ़ी ज़्यादा मैसअप हुई पड़ी है समझ नहीं आ रहा है कि अभी करें तो क्या करें गवर्नमेंट के अभी इन्होंने एनएमसी वालों ने एक करिकुलम भी एक उन्होंने जारी किया था जिसमें उन्होंने लिखा था कि जो जिनका अभी प्रैक्टिस चल रहा है उनको तो प्रैक्टिस करने देंगे यहाँ पर इंडिया में बट जिनका फोर जो सिक्स ईयर से पहले पहले वालों के लिए उनके लिए कुछ भी कोई भी एडवाइजरी नहीं उन्होंने जारी की है तो इसलिए के भी थोड़ा हमारे अंदर वो है कि भाई अब हमारे फ्यूचर का क्या होगा बहुत ज़्यादा डर है मैम कि अब फ्यूचर क्या होगा थ्री ईयर यहाँ पे इन्वेस्ट करने के बाद भी अगर जो चीज़ें हमारे कंट्रोल में नहीं है तो फिर मैम बहुत ज़्यादा चीज़ें क्रिटिकल हो जाती है हमें तो लगा था कि नहीं चीज़ें ठीक हो जाएंगी नॉर्मल हो जाएंगी बट ऐसा हुआ नहीं अब टोटली सारे डिपेंड करते हैं मैम इंडियन गवर्नमेंट के ऊपर कि वो हमें यहाँ पर अलाउ करती है कि नहीं करती है और मैम यही यही रिक्वेस्ट करूँगा मैं गवर्नमेंट से कि हमारे यहाँ पर थोड़ी वो जो जो भी सीटें हैं वो हमें अलाउ करें कि हम अपना फर्दर स्टडी अपना देख सकें तो मैम एटीन थाउजेंड स्टूडेंट का करियर में दाव पे लगा हुआ है कोई हेल्प करने वाला नहीं है अभी गवर्नमेंट भी कुछ नहीं बोल रही है कि आगे क्या करें कैसे करें कोई एडवाइजरी भी नहीं ये लोग जारी कर रहे हैं मैम वो जो आठ दिन थे वो बहुत ज़्यादा खराब थे Jyoti, Omkar and Ahem are among the thousands of students who stare at an uncertain future. The government on its part has been fairly non-committal on how it proposes to handle the influx of students, not just from Ukraine, but from places like China owing to the pandemic. It's a bit of a catch-22 for the government as well because providing one section with help on humanitarian grounds would mean providing others with the same relief. But the larger questions surrounding medical seats and affordability remain unsolved for now we can be thankful that these students managed to make it back home safe and here's wishing them good luck for the future thank you jyoti omkar ahem and dr thomas for your time i'm your host diariki and you were listening to mbbs degrees victims of war on the morning brief producers Sulbi Modi from ET and Swati Joshi from Avas Sound editor Soundarya Jayachandran Executive producer Arijit Barman All clips used in the episode belong to their respective owners Credits mentioned in the description <laughs>